Until we do those, to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And then I'm going to read you a couple or three scriptures. When you get to Proverbs 10, I'll... We can't always... This morning we have a lot of scriptures I want to show you. So we won't necessarily go through all of them together, but Barry's got them on the screen. And it helps, for time's sake. The name of this series that we're in is taken out of Romans chapter 8 where it says, God, all things work together for good. And uh, in the Amplifies, it says, they work together and are fitting into a plan, verse 28, for good and for those who love God. Can you say amen? amen? We love God. And are, here's number two, and are called according to his design and purpose. And called. So what a marvelous plan that would be to have all things work together for good. Now, I don't know about you, but yeah, I do. I know about you because I know about me, and we're all the same in this. We're backtracking a lot of stuff, just stuff that wasn't it, was the wrong time, it was the wrong person, it was the wrong purchase, it was the wrong sale. Uh, you know, we moved this spring, and I've been looking for stuff, and I said, where is that? It's like, no, I wouldn't have sold that. I wouldn't have gave that away. I, it's obvious, you know, but I was in a mindset back then. I was going into a little house, uh, and, I, we had to, and we had a purge and burn, you know, thing. And so I'm going, you know, I may have missed it on that. And, but then on the other hand, uh, I found an electric razor that I hadn't used in 28 years. I found that. It's like, what's up with this? I hadn't. So... We miss it. Now, this is trivial stuff, and it doesn't matter. But all things working together for good is something that we must have in our lives if we want to have uh, heaven on earth. If Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, this is what he was talking about, all things working together for good. This means you got to right, marry the right man or the right woman. It means you got to work at a place that that's uh, God cares because there's things He can do that's in your path that might be where you're working. Not forever, but you you drop off and work at this job for a while, get your resume built, or get some training, or make a connection, or or uh, have some schedule that's conducive to raising young children, all sorts of things, and then He moves you on. Or, or not, or he just promotes you and you just show up at 10 o'clock and leave at 3 and go to the golf course. Whatever, however, you can't say there's a blanket way to have a job or, or where to live and what to drive. So for all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called, we have to look at the called. What am I called to? One thing, if you're called to River Church... We found out that you're called to the purposes of River Church. We, we don't have a knitting ministry here. Well, we're making little booties for the Eskimos. No, we're, we're not doing that at River Church. River Church. We're, not, we're not crocheting. We're not, you know, that's not part of us. But you'd say, well, nobody does that. I can point you to a Presbyterian, an Episcopal, a, a, a Methodist church, that there is a little ladies group back there, and they're making booties for or little caps for newborns or preemies or whatever. I've seen that happen. And I take my hat off to them and say, go girl. You know, that's, that's great. 
But that's not where we're at. We don't discount that, but we know that's not us. And if you're here at River Church saying, God's putting me here, then it's not you. It's not you. You're, you just don't have to even be concerned about the knitting ministry. Well, I saw these hooks on sale, and I saw this yarn on sale. You know, Pastor May put us into the, you know, no, it's not going to happen. But what is happening, that you are called to be a healer, a divine healing technician. If God's called you to River Church, that's in your future, so you might as well get on it. You might as well open your heart to saying, well, here's a book. I'll read the book, or I'll take a course, or I'll... Whatever, you might as well get on it because if this is it, kind of like if you marry someone and they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm called to do this kind of job. You're going to have to go where that job is working for him in order to be uh, employed. If you, if you work offshore or something, you're going to have to accommodate that. I'm getting off of that, but you get my point here. Things work together naturally for those things that are working spiritually, at least for a season. So we're called to a purpose. And, and you go, well, I don't, I don't believe that. I'm going to marry who I want to marry and live where I want to live and do what I want to do. Yes, God will bless you the best he can. But I promise you, all things won't work together for good. You're going to have trouble. If you marry the wrong person, you, you, you're married and you can work it out and faith will prevail and, and love will never fail. But it's not going to be what it could have been. Your potential has been lowered because you got off the path. And I've been driving where we're looking for a place and got off the path, and it cost me, you know, all sorts of things to get back to the place we were supposed to go. And that's the way life is anyway. Second uh, Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Can you say that? A holy calling. A holy calling. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So God's got a purpose and grace, power for the purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus when? Before time began. So this thing has been working in your behalf before your mom and dad even got engaged or had a thought about this. God already had you picked out, and ordained. That's amazing. And really, you can't get your head around it. You have to get your faith around it and just sign up and say, whatever, I'm in. Now, here's one in Matthew 6, The Bible says, you know it, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first. That's the, that's the key. First. Anybody can seek the kingdom. It's what order you put in it. Like Eric was talking about idolatry and worshiping things. Yeah, we're all worshiping God, but what else is going on? So he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And you go, well, what's that mean? Well, you look up in the verse above and you find out that uh, he said, he said, all the things the Gentiles seek after. It is the reference. He said, all the things that the world, the ungodly, you know, they're driving this, they're living in that, they're boating in this. He said, listen, if you'll seek me first, I'll give you everything that you want that they have. All the things. And listen, the Gentiles, <laughs> they want it yesterday. They want it all and they want it yesterday. And they don't have a, they don't have a clue about God. And God said, you're not outside of that. You're not going to want to do everything they're doing. You're not going to want to have what everything they're having. 
But he said, if it's, in, if it's in the plan, you don't have to take a second job. You don't have to quit going to church. You don't have to uh, 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 go into debt to have it. I will give you what the Gentiles are seeking. The word really is scrounging. It's really a word that you're going to the dump and just digging through something. He said, I'll give that to you if you'll seek me first. He said, it's a benefit of the kingdom. So let me just start this morning. There is a reward for doing it God's way. And we got to always put that back because we'll all just say, Lord, I'll suffer for you. I'll sacrifice for you. I'll do without for you. That's, that's noble and that's right. We ought to say, I will go it your way. But I'm telling you, there's a reward for doing it God's way. He doesn't say it's the same as the world, but it's a lot harder. And you're going to do without, and you're going to wish, but you can put that lust down and that covet. You didn't put all that aside. No, he's saying, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of you. I'll sh-. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to show the kingdoms around you that, you that your God is real because of what happens to you. You're going to live in Goshen where there's no plagues, where the rain falls, where the grass grows, the cattle are fat. I'm going to show Egypt your God by blessing your life. It's still there. Come on. Things just happen to us that don't happen to them. And that's what we've been saying about the world. Well, you know, God, I'm serving you, and they're, they're driving right, and they're living in this, and they're boating on the weekends, and I'm, you know, I'm bringing my tithe to the church, and, and we're just barely making it. That's common to think that way. But it's, not, it's just until you get him first that that works. There's always this thing in our lives where we're, we're working on putting God first, but he's not first yet. But we're wanting to, we're, we're thinking we ought to, but it hadn't happened. Then you go through that, that period where you don't have much and nothing's working out either. Praise God. I looked up the word reward in the New Testament. Just when it's used, it's used 37 times. God is interested in rewarding. He, you know, if, we do it with our kids. You know, if you'll, if you'll do this for daddy, I'll give you this. <laughs> They bite on that. I'm telling you, they bite. Wives bite on that. Husbands bite on that. We, we like to be recognized for our good behavior and for our obedience and for our uh, cooperation. We all are we're made that way. And God did it in the Old Testament. He's still doing it. But the thing is, this is the difference between us. If the boss comes to you and says, listen, Leroy, uh, I need someone to work this weekend. Of course, it'll be overtime. Would you do it? So he's going to reward you. But if you don't want to, hey, listen, my grandmother's having her 90th birthday. I can't make it. Good. But the thing in the kingdom is it's not optional. He's going to reward you handsomely. But really, your, your life is planned out. We looked at scriptures last week and the week before. Your life is already planned out. It's not an option to say, no, God, I really am not going to do that. I'll just, pass, I'll just not be blessed. See, it's impossible for him not to bless. He's the blessing God. He's the faith God. He's the Father God. So for us to say, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to not obey you or I'm not going to follow through, it becomes disobedience. When you pass down overtime on the weekend, it's not disobedience. It's just you're not exercising your options. 
But with the Lord, if he puts it in you, it's obedience for blessing, and then it becomes disobedience, which opens the door to the devil and the curse and that sort of thing, and we get out of the all things work together for good mode. So we, we, don't, we don't regret it, and we don't say, oh, God, you're mean, you make me do things. It's always still our option. But the high road, the high life, the good life in him of blessings and peace and everything working out, that's from saying, Lord, you, I'll sign the check and you fill in whatever it takes. I'll just, I'm, I'm in. Praise God. In, uh, where did I have y'all go? Oh, bless, uh, Proverbs 10, 22. Here it is. Let's read it together. Um, let's see where, there it is. Ready, read. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it, or with it. So right there you have the contrast of the world, that there's blessing in the world in the sense of inurement, increase, promotion, but there's always sorrow. There's always a price. You got to work overtime if you want a new car, or you got to, you know, you want a place out in the country, or whatever. You're going to have to sacrifice. But here it says the blessing, the blessing of the Lord, which is not for labor, which is not for exchange. It's not for I'll do for you if you do for me, Lord. It's just the blessing of I'm a son. And sons can disobey, but they can't quit being sons. Servants, if they disobey, <laughs> you're gone. You're out. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you're, you no supper for you. And, you know, but sons, we lay on the couch and, and dad's, you know, the father says, you need to cut the grass. And you go, sure, dad. And then you don't cut the grass. You're still a son. Are we there? But there's no blessing that comes to the son, but you're still a son. So the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. He didn't say maketh good. He said maketh rich. So here we are. We have an automatic covenant inurement or a increase of if I'm a son of God, rich is my future. Rich in relationship, rich in opportunity, rich in the things of pleasure that makes us happy, rich in family, rich, rich, rich. And certainly supply is in there too. Revelation twenty two twelve. let me just read this one to you. It says, Behold, I come quickly. Doesn't that sound like Revelation? <laughs> Behold, I come quickly, the Lord said, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, let's think about that. I've got, uh, I want to draw a contrast this morning about heaven and Christian reward. If you ask most people that uh, you're just in a conversation with and you ask them, uh, are you going to heaven? Or you would say, if you know, if you were to die and God were to say to you at heaven's door, why should I let you into my heaven? Almost all people will try to, as they're, as they're fishing, they'll say, I've tried to live a good life. And so they're, they're asking or they're equating their good life or their, their cooperation with good is that I get to go to heaven. It's the reward. But, re, but heaven is not a reward. Let's think about that a minute. Heaven for us is not a reward. It's our life. It's our future. It's not a reward. It's who we are. In Second uh, John 8, uh, 1, 8, it says, Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, 
but that we receive a full reward. So he's not talking about heaven there either. He's not saying y'all just keep on working because, you know, there's always the heavens always out there. He's not talking about heaven. So you and I, we have heaven. Are y'all in? We're all in. Heaven, it, it comes from relationship. We're born again. And Jesus said, "Where I'm going to heaven. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. And then he said, I want you, you're going to be there too, so that where I am, you may be there also. He wants us to be with him. Family is family. We're separated now, but he sent the Holy Spirit, so it's just the same now as if Jesus was here. We're the body of Christ. We're, we're not disconnected, but we have the Spirit of Christ here that connects us to heaven's throne. Everything God's got, we're connected. We're not estranged. We're not on an island somewhere. So there's the going to heaven to get, a, to get our new habitation, but then there's the rewards that come that come apart from heaven. And we need to distinguish what those are. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, if you would. Matthew chapter 20. I'm trying to get this uh, where it comes out straight, but we need to go to OTS, Officer Training School, so that we can explain these things to other people and walk with a right perspective in our life. Praise God. Now, I know you know these things I'm fixing to share with you. I am positive all of you are well-versed in this. But I need a forum this morning. I need a place to put them together concerning all things working together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Jesus gives us a parable in chapter 20, verse 1. Listen to this parable. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is, that is a householder. He's a householder. He's a householder. Which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed, when he had agreed or come into a, a cooperation with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, a penny a day in these times was considered a base rate for a day's labor. That's what, that's just, if you went to work for somebody, you agreed to work for a day, and you, you just got a penny. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, all right, I will give you, and they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire. Because back then they paid daily. You paid at the end of the day. Beginning from the last into the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Now, we already saw that a penny was a day's wages. They worked one hour. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. 
But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I did thee no I do thee no wrong. Did thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Okay, here we have the new birth. You have people that like like I did, born again at eighty eight years old. So man, I've been I've been working for God a long time. Not every day in every way, but but I've been I've been in service somewhere, <laughs> like a van that's parked in the back. I've been in the employ of the Lord a long time. But I've heard stories, perhaps you have, of people that got born again on their deathbed. Because there is no atheist on their deathbed. And they're willing all the, at the last moment. And so there they are. They get born again. Well, they've done nothing for God. Matter of fact, they've lived unto themselves. They've sowed discord among the brethren. They've uh, persecuted the church. They've uh, been a tool of, the, of, of hell. And at the last minute, they got the whole birthday cake and all the presents and, and went out their merry way. This is that picture where it doesn't matter. It's not a reward. It's what happens when you're born again. But you'll see Christians that are not happy, and they think that because they have been serving God, I've been a nursery 40 years in this church, you know, and I've been in the nursery keeping these little, these little rugrats for, you know, and, I, and so they're thinking, I'll get a crown over there. I'll get something. But that's not what the Word says. We all get the same. Heaven is not a reward. It is a destination. It is, it is a reward in the sense of, something that happens, but heaven is just where we live, and it's glorious. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. You know this story well, because I work out of it all the time. This is a wonderful passage, and it talks about our life here. It says in verse 14, the kingdom of heaven. So here we're back again. Another story about the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants. So these are not house. He wasn't calling out of the marketplace. Hey, y'all, I need some. I need some help. These were his own servants. So we're distinguishing between these three guys and the guys that and the guys that were hired by the uh, the man to go into his vineyard. They could say yes or no, couldn't they? They could say I want to go to heaven or I don't want to go to heaven. It was yes or no. And but once they said yes, well then he uh, he gave them the reward. But this is a man that had his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. Now that word ability, we always know that. It's the word capacity, but it's also the word potential. It's what a man can do. So we have different gifts in the body of Christ based on our potential. So we have little, we have little booty uh, uh, knitters. And then we have hardened evangelists that can look witch doctors in the eye and stare them down and bring the whole village to Jesus Christ. Quite a disparity of, of between a booty, a booty uh, knitter and, a, and a, 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 an apostle of the Lord, but all just in the household or in, in, in his work. And he that received the five went and traded with the same. And made them other five, and likewise he that had received two also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. And after a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had five talents had received five talents came and brought other five, 
saying, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me five. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then we can go down a little bit because he did say the exact same thing to the man with two. Verse 24, but he which had received the one talent came and said unto him, Lord, I knew thee to be a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strown. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered, said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant. Now, he was a servant. He wasn't a, he wasn't a laborer. He was a servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I have sowed not, and gather where I have not strong. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. So the three servants there, we're affecting each other. But in the sense, he gives this principle in verse 29 that tells why. Unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and addeth no sorrow to it. But from him that hath not, hath not a stewardship, hath not uh, lived his capacity, has not understood his call and purpose has not reckoned the one who called him and who owned him and bought him with a price, even that which he, uh, from him that shall not, uh, shall not, shall be taken away, even that which he hath. So, again, the first parable, they had a choice. They agreed on a wage. And we see that that's heaven. We all agreed that when we get born again, there's not some of us that are, that are saying, you know, Lord, I've been a deacon for 40 years. I get to go to heaven. And another one said, you know, Lord, I got born again on my deathbed. He said, doesn't matter 40 years, doesn't matter deathbed. We agreed on a wage. Heaven is the wage in the sense of the reward or sense of, of the, the life that follows. We're straight on that, okay? And, uh, uh, but, but those guys in the vineyard thought that their reward would be based on time served. But the master said, it doesn't matter. I did you no wrong. I gave you what I agreed, the guys that worked all day. And I, if I do with the guy that just worked an hour the same, it's, it's mine to do. So it's the Lord's to do with heaven what he wants to. The, the serial killer that's on death row gets born again the hour before he goes in and they, they, they juice him up and he's, he's in heaven. And I'm telling you, people get mad about that. They get mad when you tell them that grandma that, that was down at the church and, you know, worked and served, but never got born again. She went to hell, but the serial killer, an hour before his uh, execution, he went to heaven. It just tears people up. I, I've gone to the county jail and used that many times. And it just, uh, matter of fact, one time I was in there and they got so mad the the guard <laughs> it was serious these people were so wroth with this seeming inequity uh but i want you to notice here in this story that once they're born again so to speak once they're 
in the kingdom, once they're bought with a price and they've received servanthood, that they don't have a choice whether to obey or not. Now, the reason we don't get that sometimes is because the master didn't have someone standing over them saying, today's a new day, you better get yourself up and you better get out there and start trading with your one talent. He told him at the beginning what to do, settled it with them. I'm five, here's two, here's one. I need you to do business while I am gone because I will come back. So there's no one standing over them, but it was well established what the rules were of being a servant there. So one of them said, you know, since nobody's leaning on me all day, I'll just do what I want. There's no consequence to this. But there was. And we see that in the story that there was a, uh, uh, there was a consequence. And so it is. This is an analogy of Christians or the body of Christ as we have been given gifts, abilities, a capacity a potential, every one of us different, from baby booties to going into deep Africa and dealing with uh, heathen nations with, that are sold out to voodoo and, and, uh, and animism, all that stuff, doesn't matter. We're called to our capacity or our ability. And so we are here at River Church. We don't, we don't screen people and say, listen, we, we, we need some musicians. We are, we are musician poor here. And if you can't play, you no, just everybody comes in. But now when we find out you can play, we, we ask you about it and say, don't you think maybe you're called? But they always then do something else. Praise God. Turn with them in Matthew 21. Nobody's left yet, but we do have the doors locked. Hallelujah. I want you to notice, now, not to be hard-headed here, but just to bring the scriptures to bear, that those three servants did not have a choice, but there was a reward, and it was a reward to him who had, more was given. There was a reward for doing their assignment according to their capacity. The man with five had to turn five. The man with two had to turn two, and obviously, it seems to me that the man with one was not expected to bring five, but he was expected to bring one that he had traded. But the Lord was wroth with him because he just brought his talent and said, well, Lord, I'm still here. I still have potential. I still have a capacity, but I'm not using it for you. I'm using it on myself. I've been fishing. <laughs> While they were out there trading, I, you weren't around. So, Lord, I just said, you know, if he's not here, I'm going to the, here we go. Chapter 21, verse 28, it says, uh, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. He came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So this gives us a perspective from heaven that we don't get from just from pulpits, that we are constrained to acknowledge our gift or what's been given to us or our relationship and to follow through on the responsibility of it. We know in James it says, you know this, it says, to whom much is given, much is required. We know that it's, is that James? I believe it is. Nope, that's Luke. Excuse me. 
That's Luke 12, 48, excuse me. Unto whomsoever much is given of him, much shall be required. And so uh, turn with me to, to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's keep, this, let's keep this straight here. Now, I'm not trying to sign you up, but I, I am obligated. Let me tell you why I'm obligated to tell you the truth. Because it is in James, I think it's in James, <laughs> that it says, no, or it's Hebrews, it's in that it's in the New Testament, hallelujah, that to teachers, a greater judgment or stricter judgment is put on them. Now, let me just tell you, if we're preaching in a Christian church, we got the three crosses on the top, we got, uh, we got everything that makes a Christian church, and the pastor, the preacher gets up there and preaches something false, preaches that you can go to heaven just for some saying Hail Mary six times or, or going to work or something, that's false doctrine. And if he, if he deludes them, they've got their own Bible, but still, if he deludes them into believing, deceiving them, there's a stricter judgment put on them for all of those people not getting born again or not... It's wrong. And, you know, but there's supposed to be glory. The Bible says that an elder that, uh, that teaches be worthy of double honor. We don't actually see that much. If anything, it's if you're, if you're a great entertainment in, in the pulpit, you, you receive double honor in our day right now versus the teacher of the word. But it doesn't matter. It's coming from the Lord. But there's a stricter judgment on teachers because there's other people involved. Listen, if you're in the nursery or if you're making booties, you're not going to mess up many folks with your doctrine. But a teacher would. And so we, we have to be on. To stand in this pulpit or to is, is a grave, grave responsibility and not to be taken lightly. And it's got to be right. And if, it's, if we find out we did it wrong, which we have, we have taught things that later on the Lord brought us a, a finessing, a, a greater light, and we've had to go back and say, that wasn't exactly right, and here's, here's what's right. You know, Revelation's progressive. We have to walk in it as we get it. We can't wait until we're just completely perfected to share the good news. Amen, but it's in our heart. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Let's get this straight, that although we're talking about works, we're talking about your ministry, we're talking about your calling that you're looking forward to embrace, make no mistake, it says in verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's grace that saves us, and it's faith. And so the man that's on the deathbed that receives Jesus Christ, he's not done anything. He's not acknowledged his gift or that he's anything. He just said, Jesus, save me. I believe. And the grace of God whisks him into the presence of the Lord. Praise God. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. So make no doubt, you can't go to heaven by works, but make no other doubt also that once you're saved, you absolutely are constrained to works because works demonstrate what's happened on the inside. You've had a work on the inside you are going to, you're going to glow and you're going to flow on the outside. And a man that cannot do that on the outside is always brought into question that anything has changed on the inside. And it's the inward work that matters. 
So we have people that's doing all a lifetime of works. Uh, just for an example, not to criticize, but just an example. There's a man that's up in that uh, that Coleman uh, 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 monastery up there that's built the. Help me. He's built the the all the great places of the world. Ava Maria Grotto, and I, I understand it's marvelous. It's wonderful, but you know there could be a temptation, especially if he's Roman Catholic. That he could say, and, and he's well esteemed and acknowledged for his lifetime work, but he could, he could be lulled into thinking, I've got a great place in God and not even go to heaven. Spend his whole life doing something religious and not even step into the very place of God's abode. And I just use that as, as, a, as an example of someone that's given their life to the things of the kingdom, so to speak, and not even hit the kingdom. We all have to be mindful. Uh, I've told you many times about that conference that Debbie and I went to many years ago where uh, Larry Lee was having a conference, and a man, that it, a man got born again. And he said, I've been a Baptist deacon for 40 years and got born again. Now, he probably was already born again and just came under conviction. I don't know the whole story, but that was his testimony, or they testified of him. So <laughs> there's a line in there. Okay, let, let's go here, and then we'll finish. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're called, y'all. We're called to have everything work together for good. We're called for our lives to be examples that that we take the bushel off of our lamp and we are a, a lamp in a city. Not because we're hobnobbing with the social gospel or that we're that we play a mean gospel horn or guitar or we can sing, but our light shines because we're doing what he called us to do. And many times that's not seen. It's not evidenced. It's not broadcast. It's not heralded it's not uh, it's not acknowledged many times people do things in the kingdom that nobody even knows about it doesn't matter if you're called all things will work together for good and you will have a reward and I, we can't even talk about all the rewards but just just but here's some of them first corinthians chapter 3 look in verse 10 it says according to the grace of god according to the grace of god According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So once we get born again, once we get the foundation of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Son of God, into us, and we receive him, then we start building on that foundation. We do not try to do things to get born again, we get the foundation of grace inside of us to get born again. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. And then he goes on and he says, uh, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon his foundation gold, silver, silver precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest or revealed, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. So even though nobody down here knows or appreciates what you're doing for the kingdom, I said, or appreciates what you gave, you know, it's some, I, we've given offerings over the years, 
not not bragging, just saying, that stretched us. It was it was all we had. But nobody ever called and said, Whoa. Because it wasn't big. It wasn't even it wasn't even it was just it was less than many people's that day. But for us, it was stretched out. There was a need or a call or a project, and we 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 got in. Many times we've done things just as you have, all of you in this room, behind the scenes. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I, I look at all of you this morning and say, yeah, all of us have showed up, done it, and left, and nobody even knew it was done or didn't know who did it. But the Bible says that these things will be judged and it will be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So now here he's talking about motive. He's talking about your motive to do it to get to get uh, to get born again. You know, I'm trying to do this. You know, maybe it'll help, or to please Father. The Bible talks, and the New Testament talks about pleasing the Father. It's not that it, somebody acknowledges, like uh, if I did something in the church or for the kingdom, that somebody said, "Oh, we just appreciate what you did. That was marvelous. That's over the." And went on and on and, and bring you up to the front and toot your horn and talk about, oh, this is the greatest Christian. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about motive. Father, I want to please you. I'm going down to clean the church. I'm going down to paint children's church. I'm going down to, you know, whatever. I'm going out to, uh, to, to witness because I want to please you. It's in me, you've given it in me, this gift is in me, this inurement, this, this, this grace is in me, and I am compelled by Holy Spirit to not keep it to myself, or so to speak, to bury it. I must go do business with what you've given me. That's pleasing the Father, because nobody's going to really acknowledge it. I've been out a lot of times, and you've been here and there and done, and nobody said a word. But I had the witness of the Holy Spirit, even if it wouldn't turn out that good, that I'd never have to go through that training process again. The healing room is one of those. We're just we have no model to follow. We have we're just saying, Father, this would please you, even if it doesn't please the city. Even if it doesn't really please a lot of people, we've had we've had lymphoma and leukemia and pancreatic cancer. And none of these people, not none, but few of these people have come back and said, wow, oh, yeah, buddy, if you hadn't had that, we'd, we'd be dead or dying. But it pleased the Father. Are you all with me? It pleased the Father, and that's all that counts. And that thing goes into the fire. I think of it like an airport where they look at your stuff. You know, you put your stuff on there and go through the x-ray machine. I think about there being a furnace in there, like a crematorium or something. It goes in there, and it's like, and it comes out, and there's, <laughs> there's a nugget over there. Lord, I loaded 400 pounds. I put 400 pounds of stuff on there, and that's what came out? Yep. Okay. Let me, let me finish this one up here. Um, verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. What does it say? Yet so as by fire. So right there, it separates them. That heaven is not connected to works. 
but our rewards are absolutely the result of works. As if by fire, you know, everything, everything burned up. Everything you did with your whole life in the Ave Grotto or whatever, you got, you got news, you got headlines all over the world, but it didn't please the Father, if that was true. I'm not saying it is. I'm not even disparaging that. I'm not at all. I'm just saying it could happen. It didn't please the Father because you were called to be a carpenter and build churches across the nation or whatever. We got to start praying out our gift. We're already kind of got it discerned. You got this. You got your personality, which is not always accurate because sometimes people are very shy. Uh, I was always introvert. I was always pretty much. But I had this thing about pleasing, and so it drove me out. But you can't even say, I'm shy. God wouldn't use me. And you can't say, I'm a loudmouth. God's called me to be, you know, a preacher. That wouldn't even necessarily be so. But there are clues with our personality, and there's clues about where he's led us in the past. Because Debbie and I, he led us to get married, and he led us to Alabama. I mean, you, you can put things together. It was, it was Professor Plum in the conservatory with the lampstick, you know, or whatever. You can, you can start deducing this thing. But the main thing is we got to pray it out. you got to pray it out because it's got to be discerned inside. It can't be just superficial. Well, I've, I've figured it out, you know, this, that, and the other. You, can't, you can get clues, and you can move there, and you can test it. You can throw it out there and see if it comes back. But you got to pray it out in the Holy Ghost. You got to pray it out. And if you don't pray it out, then you'll be, excuse me, but we could be just like that man that buried his talent and the Lord scourged him. I mean, he just, he said, take it away, whatever he thought he was getting and give it to this one over here. The reward must be, uh, rightly be placed. Amen. I know we're called here at River Church to speak into the atmospheres. There's nothing, there's nothing you can say, well, I'll, I'll do that, because we could all just have a script and just speak into Tuscaloosa, but it's a spiritual impartation. So to do that, you're going to have to have a, a group that believes there's something to speak, and there's somewhere to speak it and make that transaction. But it might only take 20 minutes. Or 30 minutes in a week or something to declare into the atmosphere. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to do some atmosphere changing, I'm assuming. And you go, well, what's that all about or whatever? Well, we're called to do it. And all things are working together for good. Now, let me just tell you all, just as an example, um, it's not all. It's often tight. It's often right on the edge. It's often uh, uh, like you could. Other people would take pause and say, "What's going on?" But here at River Church, we're still going. And you look around, and there's you know, you look around, you say, "Whoa!" You know, there must be something else going on we don't know. Let me tell you, there's nothing that y'all don't know. You might be thinking there's a multimillionaire that's you know keeping this thing propped up, and I'm telling you, there's not. Y'all say amen when you get that. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying as an example, not to use that to, to give you news, that all things are working together for good because we're on course as a church and as individual 
to get our calling. When someone goes back to children's church and props that up and puts that in and, and, and we pray for those two boys and weekly in our prayer time, there's a transaction that happens. But I, you might not even know unless you just saw Annette, you wouldn't even know who went back there this morning. But God does. And she prepared, and Melissa prepared, and Barry, and everybody that goes back there prepares. The nursery prepares, you know. The only thing we don't prepare around here is the keyboard and the orchestra. <laughs> but even at that, we are speaking into the atmosphere that if we need it, we can have it. Amen. So let's just stand up just for a minute, and let's pray out. Hallelujah. In the Holy Ghost. Just, just, just set yourself into agreement with God that you're going to know some things. Seeing and knowing. Lord, we'd know more of you. We'd know more of you. This would be personal, Lord. This would be me. Hallelujah. Where do we fit? Lord, we'll not be slack. We set ourselves in agreement that there's heaven on earth in our life. Open door. Open door that we'd all see individually and we'd all see it together. Hallelujah. And within this city that you've given us, you've given us to give back to you. Lord, we would impact this city. It would be our calling and we would answer that calling. And there's a grace to do it, Lord. How? I don't know, but a grace to do it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hosting a move of God. Lord, how? I don't know, but there's a grace to do it. And we enter into the grace. And every idol, Lord, everything that's in the way, everything that says you can't go now or you can't do now, we cast you down as evil, as wicked, as a hindrance to the things of God. And we discount you now in Jesus' name and say nothing will stand in the way. In Jesus' name, every vile excuse, we dismantle it now. In Jesus' name, we're bought with a price. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. Thank you, Lord, for the grace for that calling. We say yes to it today. This morning, we say yes to it today. And Lord, now I just accept and receive a life that works together for good. Oh, everything, my money. My relationships, my job, Lord, everything is working together for good. It turns out good for us. It turns our way. Our faith works the first time. Things are easy. The yoke is easy. The burden is light, Lord, your way. And we give ourselves to, to get to the end of our life your way. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, devil... Devil, I, you are defeated. 
you are you are totally taken out of the way. We dismantle your strategies against River Church and every family in this church. And we say no. No, we say no to your plans. We say no to your strategies. Everything that you've got working right now against us, we stop it now in the name of Jesus. I stop it in Jesus' name. We stop your plans against people that God has called and ordained to set themselves in this fellowship. We say loose them and let them go. They are free to come and fulfill their calling in Jesus' name. We call finances into River Church. In Jesus' name, seed to sow and bread to eat. God, we declare we are a strong voice for this hour, for this generation. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, family, we're on to something here. We're just Sunday, you know, after Sunday, just planting seeds in you so that Holy Spirit can water them. And you go to the Word and He'll water them and you'll see things. It's not that I'm saying something to you. It's that it, just a seed that He can say, you know, this and that that you've been messing with or that you heard a long time ago or that I told you about this. It'll start coming together for you and you'll have the life that we all know Jesus died for. And we should. We should. Amen. And I'll tell you another thing. Two puts 10,000 to flight. We're called to help each other. I don't know exactly how that would play out, but we're called to help each other. I know we're to pray for one another. We should pray for one another. Your family's not praying for you. I'm talking about your extent, your cousins and your uncles and your, maybe even your folks, your parents. They're not necessarily praying for you. We need to pray for one another and say, you know, this is the answer. We sure need to get healing established here if if no one in this city ever receives a healing from the lord we will be proclaiming it so their blood won't be on us we'll be offering it proclaiming we'll be ready for them but if nothing else we'll all be healed and walking above and i tell you there's there's things that are out there that the devil has devised that there is no answer medically or otherwise there is no answer for these things and uh, we, we don't need to just say, oh, I didn't know. Let's, let's study on that. It'll be too late. Not too late to do something, but it'll be too late to keep it. We are the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen, the children of Israel were in a place that was totally blessed. It was, it was heaven on earth. And we are Goshen here at River Church. The whole body of Christ is, but whosoever will. Amen. Does anybody have anything this morning? I have this. I will tell you this. The Lord spoke into my heart. Let me, I, I won't prophesy per se in that kind of forum, but I will say that there's a visitation that has been loosed upon us in this city, a visitation to receive the Lord as he really is and not according to religious terms and limiting uh, and iconic ways, uh, secular ways. There's a visitation to receive him. And it's already come, but it's, it's going to be more and more as we begin to speak over our city. There's a visitation coming. And uh, we will not be amazed, but we will be blessed by it. But it's a help. This visitation is going to help get the word out that Jesus is Lord 
and he is coming back soon. Jesus is Lord, and he's coming back soon. A visitation to enforce that, to declare it. And we give you thanks, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen.